Every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. You know, the only bit of uh, warm response I get the entire offseason is the occasional tweet that says, hey, is uh, First Draft coming back? But then again, I'm thinking... They always start with Mel and Todd, so I don't really think that's for me. But here we are. First draft is back. Todd, you got to be thrilled right now. My favorite time of year, man. Yeah. I've been looking forward to this for, for months. I was I just couldn't believe we didn't have one in the offseason. But here we are. We're ready to roll. And uh, Kuiper, it's always good talking to you. Sprout, it's always interesting. And let, let's do this. Yeah, Mr. You, we, Mr. Field Analyst there, Chris, he's, the most, I thought he's Captain America. He travels all over the world uh, watching uh, college football here. Decides to get back to talking a little draft here around Christmas. That's that's McShay's new world. Todd, what was the, in your uh, in your exhausting fall, what was the best stop this year? Maybe it was just the game or was it just the stadium or the environment? What was the number one stop? Uh, well, you know what? The most memorable of the season was – Iowa City. Sorry, Sprow. First of all, Iowa is a fun. Yeah, it's a fun place to go. It's they've fans are fun. It's underrated. We always have a good Thursday night out. Stay out a little later than we should. Act like we're about twenty years younger than we are. (laughs) Then we clean it up on Friday. Get ready, and um, then we just. I mean, from the pick six, the very first play of the game. From that point on, you knew it. it, it, Iowa was bringing it that day. Ohio State. Yeah, it got weird. And on the field, I've never seen a crowd rush a field so fast. I went to go get one of the coaches or um, you know, coach interview after the game, and if they were smart enough, they just went into the in straight in the locker rooms. And I went to the middle of the field, and I, it took me forty five minutes to get off. I saw a referee getting trampled <laughs> in the middle. This poor guy broke his ankle. They were carrying really? it off, and wow. yeah, it, it was a wild scene. It was mm. fun. It was wild. And then, uh, honestly, last week it was kind of crazy with the Scott Frost stuff, and that was difficult. But um, but probably the most fun game we did all year long, which was surprising, was the um, the American Conference Championship with Memphis and. And you, those two quarterbacks were slinging it, and uh, it was it, – usually those high-scoring games aren't well-played. It was a really well-played game. It's just great offenses. Just great offensive yeah. play calling, too. It was uh, it was impressive. All right, guys. Mel, we know uh, the best uh, venue you caught this fall was Calvert Hall, correct? Oh, oh, Calvert Hall had a nice win over Loyola, Ryle, on uh, Thanksgiving. It's a Starting turkey bowl. Good yeah. note. You yeah, know, Todd good. was in Iowa City for maybe hey. the game that decided who got into the Final Four, and you were mm-hmm. at Calvert Hey, I told Todd uh, that I was talking to different people about this. What high school in the country, outside of the powers all over the country, that has two players, they can say two players, from a 2010 championship team at Calvert in the NFL right now? How many teams can say that? we got Trevor Williams, starting corner with the Chargers, and Adrian Amos with the uh, Chicago Bears. That's not bad. Dude, it took us six minutes, and we're totally off track. Yep. Yeah, I mean, let's get, right. let's get, let's get refocused eight, here. Eight let's get real. So what talking. we call today, <laughs> and you guys have been doing, you guys did a bunch of stuff with uh, Mike Greenberg that's going to be on all week. Mm-hmm. This is the unofficial kickoff to draft season. Todd gets thrown under the bus as an annual tradition and has to do the uh, an early mock draft. When is that mock coming out, by the way? That's about 10 days Yeah, when is now. that mock coming out? Yeah, Todd, hit the phones. Come on. 
okay. got about 10 days from now. Todd's going to get things kicked off with Mach 1.0. But it is. It's the unofficial kickoff to the NFL draft season. And, Todd, I'll, I'll let you get it kicked off. I mean, again, it's it feels like, you know, they might not be ranked number one overall. I think you might have Josh Rosen number one, but it sure feels like it's it's the year of the quarterback again with Josh Rosen. We'll see if Sam Darnold's in. The buzz around Baker Mayfield's going to get nuts. The intrigue around Josh Allen is going to get nuts. Is right now, if you're if you're lining it up, is Rosen the guy number one, the most likely? Let's put it this way: Rosen played the best. I think, and Rosen is the most polished. I sh- Mayfield played the best of the of those four, without question. Mm-hmm. Rosen is the most polished, NFL-ready, prototypical prospect in this class. I mean, if you're looking for a guy who could step in and and play a game tomorrow and you could trust him working inside the pocket, going through progressions, making big-time throws with anticipation and, and just being able to, to fit the ball into tight spots, that's Josh Rosen. And I think that... The turning point for me a little bit on that was, was the USC UCLA head to head game where it just became an apples to apples comparison and it was very clear that Rosen was is just more polished in the pocket. Now, and we're gonna you know this is gonna be the discussion for the next few months and it's gonna get old, but here I'll just lay it out briefly. With Rosen, you've got more polish, but more questions in terms of what you're getting and with the leadership. Does he need the game? Does he love the game? And what is, what's he going to bring to the table in terms of inside the building, inside the quarterback room every day? Whereas Sam Darnold is exceptional in all those areas. He's younger but seemingly more mature in terms of how he handles himself just as a pro and can create a little bit more and has a clutch gene without question but is, I think, regressed in terms of his pocket Passing uh, just basically his patience and poise inside the pocket and his footwork, which obviously leads to accuracy. And it it was all a result of losing two guys at wide receiver, one who's had a great year in the NFL, continues to have a great year uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers and Juju Smith-Schuster. And and then three offensive linemen that went to the NFL and then having three offensive linemen injured. So, I mean, they were down to their third guard in that Pac-12 championship game, the third right guard. So he, he stopped trusting his his protection, and that led to a lot of problems. I think in the long run, Sam Darnold's going to be a great quarterback, and I trust him more than Josh Rosen, and that's kind of the tug of war. And then you got Josh Allen, who's a, a physical freak but has the most developing to, to do, and, and then Baker Mayfield, who's got the – you know, the maturity concerns and the height concerns, but balled out this year and, and in my mind improved his stock as much as any quarterback in this class, Mel. Yeah, and I think what Todd said is, is, is right about the top group. There's, it's so deep. I mean, the depth of this quarterback group, and we may be talking a lot about the other guys that aren't going to get mentioned, will get overshadowed if they decide to come out. And a couple guys, Todd, Ryan Finley, Boise State to NC State, showed well, struggled a little late, and then kind of recaptured it at the end. Ryan Finley, NC State, and also Drew Locke 
from Missouri. Nobody can talk about slinging it around, Todd. Nobody can sling it around as well as Drew Locke. They're all in the league with Locke, or he's in the league with everybody else. So does he decide to leave Missouri with eligibility remaining? We'll see on that. Mike White at Western Kentucky can really fire the ball. The ball explodes out of his hand. And then we have Mason Rudolph, it looks like, has kind of lost a little momentum. And Luke Falk from Washington State lost a little bit. Kirk Benkert, Virginia, has gained momentum. Clayton Thorson, Northwestern, if he comes out, interesting guy there. So there's others beyond just the top three and Baker Mayfield that make this quarterback classes, as Chris Sproul just said, uh, really intriguing. It really is interesting, guys. And, you know, it's funny, but Josh Allen, you know, obviously there's a lot of intrigue around him. There's a lot of the the questions. It's funny, though, because a lot of the questions around Josh Allen are, are some of the questions we heard a couple years ago around Carson Wentz, is whether it's level of competition or how would this guy have looked in the SEC. But again... Carson Wentz has answered those questions. I mean, every every time a Carson Wentz happens, it, I feel like a little bit, into, it just opens up that door a little bit wider for these guys that are really elite in terms of physical tools. And if they're a great kid, if they're going to be first in the room, some of these cliches are cliches for a reason. And, you know, Josh Allen is going to be, he's going to epitomize that a little bit. Todd, you know, both of you, I'm just really interested to hear what you think the floor is on Baker Mayfield. And the reason I bring this up now is we think the season's been all about Baker Mayfield hype. Wait until the playoff. I mean, he's got two more games that are essentially just just monster tape games. If he can do in those games what he did to Ohio State earlier this season, what he did to a bunch of teams earlier this season, but if he if he takes advantage of the showcase does his floor suddenly become the end of the first round, whereas we've always been talking about his floor is more of a, a round two guy? Like, Mel, what do you think? I mean, if, if, if Baker Mayfield does what he's been doing all year again once or two more times, doesn't that floor get a little bit higher? And I, I, Todd and I talked about this a lot over the last few days about the, the interview process for Josh Rosen being very important. He's got some convincing to do for the reasons Todd talked about. Baker Mayfield's got a lot of convincing to do because of the off-the-field concerns and the antics, if you want to call them more antics, okay, or immaturity, you know. And ironically, yeah. and ironically, you talk about maturity, and I talked about Todd about this, but Sam Darnold was only 20 years of age. On draft day, he will still be 20. He doesn't turn 21 until June. Baker Mayfield on draft day will be 20. 23. And I think from a maturity standpoint, you think one's older than the other. So I think Baker's got to show that he can be the CEO of your football team. You cannot worry as a GM about getting a call at 3 a.m. about your quarterback. You can't worry about that. You got other things. The quarterback has to be the one that is above and beyond everything. And, and right now, Baker Mayfield is not that type of player. And that's what he's got to prove to these GMs that, hey, on the field, I look like a top 10 pick. You can reconcile the hype because of Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, when I talked to people, Todd, before the draft, as you did that year, they said on a scale 1 to 10, Russell Wilson character-wise is a 15. That's mm-hmm. what they said. Now, the only reason he was a third-round pick was because he was 5'10 and what, 5'8, 5'10 and 3 quarters. Baker Mayfield has that same strong body at 6 foot. Well, if he didn't have any issues, he'd be a top 10 pick. Because then the comparisons to Wilson would be there's hey, we would take Wilson number one. He might go in the top five. But with the concerns, now we talk about maybe who's going to pull the trigger, mid-first, late-first. Is somebody going to roll the dice top ten? He's the most polarizing player in this draft. Yeah, I, I would agree. And The thing I'll say in talking to Riley and talking to GMs and talking to NFL scouts that have that area, 
that have spent a lot of time researching and and obviously Riley's been a, spent a lot of time around around Baker to me every everything points towards more of a Philip Rivers you know kind of the a little immaturity coming out and just high energy emotion player who's got to learn how to channel it versus a guy who you know in Rosen who's getting compared to Jay Cutler a little bit and, and that kind of personality and, and, and concern coming out of college. So those I, with Baker, I think you have to be careful because yes, there, there's, there's some digging to do in the psychological tests and figuring out, you know, is, is he just, this just a college kid who, you know, had some beers and made a couple bad decisions and is going to grow out of it. Or is it going to turn into a Johnny Manziel type of thing, which I, nothing, no one I've spoken to has led me to believe that that's, that's where they think it's headed. Um, and being in Norman and being around this team a little bit for a couple games this year, I don't know. There are very few quarterbacks that the community has rallied around, the teammates have rallied around, and has brought more energy to a, a team than Baker Mayfield has brought to Oklahoma. I mean, this guy, you should watch him in warm-ups. I know it sounds stupid, but just running around the field, getting everyone going, the energy at every single point of the game is just amazing to me. And it, he, he just brings a kind of a warrior mentality to, to the quarterback position. And, you know, some people are going to love that. Some people are going to be turned off by it. But the success that he has had, it's hard to argue against his aggressive and, and style. I, I, after talking with Todd, Chris, and you can see he's one Todd over. And I think, I think that's what he's going to wow. have to do. He's going to have to win somebody yep. over and to feel like, okay, Gosh, this guy's going to be phenomenal. I can channel all that energy in the right way, and I can get the most out of this kid. And I'm just hopeful, as a fan of the NFL, love the NFL, and then we need quarterbacks. You hope that Baker Mayfield does mature and does become a great NFL quarterback. What team? And I do think the man's, if the regime remains, or Cleveland, I don't know, it's going to be interesting because things do carry over. And the whole Manziel thing with Baker, with Cleveland look at Baker Mayfield after taking Johnny Manziel, that'll be fun to watch and fun to see how. That plays out. Plenty of teams need quarterbacks. We know that. So Baker Mayfield on a bill. Let me say this, Todd. I'll ask you this. If Baker Mayfield had no issues of maturity, no prior off-the-field issue, no prior antics, where would he be ranked in terms of the quarterbacks on your board? I think he'd be right where he is right now. Because as you just said, I yeah, at four. And, and I, I've got him kind of right on the fringe, right on the edge of the first round. And, and you know what, to be honest with you, I think he can kind of lock down a spot in the first round if he goes out and performs at a similarly high level against Georgia and if he gets another opportunity against one of those other two. So you know, if Alabama I said to you right now, Baker Mayfield in late April, on April 26, goes fifth, sixth, seventh pick overall, would you applaud that pick or say it's too high? Uh, it seems a little bit high. It seems, Yeah, it seems high. But it's quarterback, so it wouldn't shock me, but it, it seems high. I, th I think he fits more in that 20 to mm -hmm. 35, 40 range. It's just really important to realize, too, is that the, there's a long time, you know, five months before the draft, um, it's, so much can happen. Obviously, we see every single year the Senior Bowl does things for players. Every single year. It's a huge thing. I think of... A.J. McCarron not going to the Senior Bowl and Jimmy Garoppolo taking his spot. One of them goes in the second round. One of them ends up in the fourth. Um, you know, every single year it changes the trajectory of certain players, and that's even before the combine. Uh, and then, you know, with quarterbacks, it doesn't, it doesn't, with quarterbacks pro yeah. days matter. We it's like no to say they don't, but they do. 
Well, it's no perfect world, and it's, yeah. this is not easy. This is no exact science because Russell Wilson was at the Senior Bowl, Todd, yeah. for a week, wasn't he? Yes, he was in yep. Mobile. But why did he go in the third round? When everybody knew his character was off the charts and he had a great Senior Bowl. Why? He had a great career at NC State. He had a great year at Wisconsin because he was 5'10 and three quarters. There was no comp to that. Yep. Okay, there was no comp to Russell Wilson. That's what it was, Seneca Wallace and different ones, but no comp to say this guy developed into a great quarterback at 5'10 and they have 5'10 and three quarters. Didn't have that. So he, he, he did it. And now all of a sudden, it would open up more opportunities. I hate copycats and I don't, I don't, don't like comps because comps normally don't work. Uh, but I think in terms of Russell Wilson, he was at the senior bowl and it didn't elevate his grade. He went in the third round. So sometimes it doesn't always work the way you think it will. I'll tell you what, on Baker Mayfield, I, I, I think both of you would agree with this, even though According to Mel Kuyper, Todd uh, Baker's got you in his back pocket. But um, the senior bowl, I don't want to listen. I'm not saying bowl, he's got you I in would, his back I pocket. would go if I was Baker Mayfield. I would be at the senior bowl. I would be uh, the chamber of commerce king. I'd be, the, I'd be, uh, yeah, it, I'd be bringing food to Phil Savage's house. It wouldn't surprise me if, if he wound up going. I mean, yep. that's kind of he's just kind of that ultra, ultimate competitor type. And let me go back to the Philip Rivers things just to clarify. They. It, it, immaturity was the wrong word. Competitive, like the ultra competitiveness and channeling energy. Yeah. You remember, scouts either loved Rivers or hated him because a because of the, the funky release, but but b if you go back and look, you know he just he was a guy who was always in people's faces and and, and he still couldn't tell if it was guy. kind of a yeah exactly exactly. Yeah. So you either love him or you hate him, and usually if you're playing with him, you love him, and if you're playing against him, you can't yeah, stand and, him because just he's just kind of in your face. And just to go back to that, I was on a plane with Philip Rivers and his wife and his baby coming back from the Senior Bowl, leaving the Senior Bowl where he was out. I was on the field right. for that game and watching him throw that ball with that delivery, and he could stick it in there. I mean, he he had that ability that I called him more of a quick release, air trigger release. But yep. I was on that plane, and he, he everything we saw later on. I remember the whole thing with Denver and the whole thing with Cutler on the field early on. Yeah. He, when Cutler came into the league, and there were some words there. Uh, yeah, that was a little later when he was coming out of NC State after being a four-year starter down there. Uh, and you know, he had his family. He was a family man. Yeah, he had, were, a, he had a wife and a child. Yeah, no, he was, no, he, there was, there was no talk. There was no talk about it. He was a kid who had everything on. I remember being with him. And, man, this guy can be your CEO. This is a definite galvanizer. This right. is a guy I can trust. So I don't think Mayfield That's is why I wanted to near fix- him coming out. Right. It was more of the, the demonstrative on the field yeah. in that kind of that's right. where the comparison is and, and people are saying and it's, yeah. it has nothing to do with the off the field stuff no i mean yeah i think to todd's point we saw it with tom brady this weekend just teeing off on josh mcdaniels there's a fine line between fiery and out of control and mayfield kind of has to prove that he's more of the former and you know what i said chris i said to Todd, i said and the i don't want to have a quarterback who has to keep saying they keep apologizing and saying, I'm sorry. I don't want that. Hey, one time I'll give you a mulligan, okay? Once in a while, you know, here, but not on a bi-monthly basis or whatever. I don't want apologies constantly from my quarterback. So let's yeah, just- and, and it, you know, it's, it's really tough, too, because even some of, the, some of the guys who turn out to be the most mature and, and overcome some physical limitations are, are ones who, you know, these are still 18 to 20-year-old, 22-year-old kids. Brian Greasy who I work with every week, and he told the story on air, so I wouldn't say it if he didn't. But he was kicked off the Michigan team for six months for doing some stupid stuff off but the field. But Baker will be 23 and, by the draft, Todd. He'll be 23. I, I get it. 18 Greasy to 23. Like 21. Or, you know? Okay, 18 to 23. Fine. Um, <laughs> my point stands that you can make a dumb decision uh, in college, 
and grow out of it and mature. But it, that's that's the very difficult part because when you have a Johnny Manziel situation, you have some other guys. We've you know we can go down a long list of guys who just weren't mature enough to handle the league. But from everything I understand, this is a guy who who will who is and will be, but has just made some dumb college decisions. And say whatever you want for Baker Mayfield. It, the story is remarkable. There, there weren't, the offers weren't there. He's made himself what he is, and. You know, the one thing we can't measure that, you know, that comes up with Carson Wentz and a million other guys is what what happens when you become a millionaire overnight. Are you still the first guy in? Um, we, we can't measure the guy, guy's capacity to improve. Baker Mayfield's shown he has a lot of capacity there. Just wrapping up the QBs thing, guys, right now, if the draft was tomorrow, the way we project it out, just look at the top ten, and, and it makes you think how far we're going to get, how many QBs could go in round one. Cleveland? Number one, obviously, we know QB. They need a QB. San Francisco, they might have their guy in Garoppolo, but it's still an open question. They're going to have to figure out the numbers. They won't. The New York Giants, for the first time since that Rivers and Eli draft, suddenly it's there. Indy, I think we know what they're doing at quarterback. Chicago Bears have Trubisky. But then Denver at six, maybe. The Jets at seven, maybe. And then even the Cardinals and then the Browns again at 9-10. I mean, you're... It happens every single year, and it's just a matter of the, the supply is there. But again, we're looking at another draft where we have probably six, six of the top seven, ten are ten. looking for quarterbacks. They need yeah, a quarterback. Did you say Arizona in that group? Yeah, I mean yeah, Arizona is going to have to be looking. They so, have to. Yeah. Again, again, and that's just the top ten. We know yeah. that there's and, other and, situations and it, around the league. If you're the 49ers, the Colts, or the oh, Bears, you're loving it. You're loving it because yeah. now you, you get an opportunity for a team like Arizona, maybe wanting to move up. The Jets could possibly try to move up to get ahead of, you know, if it's the Giants or Denver sitting there. So it's going to be interesting to see how that top 10, and if you're, you know, it's tough. You never want to root for your team to lose, but it's it's hard to sit there and, and, and be excited about a win right now if you're one of these teams that, that needs a quarterback. And the two quarterbacks, we're all going to wait and see. Do they decide to come out or do they decide to stay? There's two that will be very highly rated. One super highly rated will be Sam Darnold, and that, we don't know what that decision is going to be. And the other who's going to be highly rated if he came out is Drew Locke from Missouri. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, guys. I want to jump past the quarterbacks a little bit before we get to all the mail. I mean, the other interesting one here, you've had him really high, Mel. What do we do? I, I think both of you have said this. This is a great year for running backs. And again, if you take one early, you figure he's going to be pretty good. Leonard Fournette, Zeke Elliott. The flip side of that is if you wait a little while, they might be pretty good too. Hunt, <laughs> Kamara. I mean, you know, Jordan Howard last year. is. We know there's no great science to this except for get your guy. But Mel is... Every single the last couple of years have been a perfect case in point of if if you like him really early he's probably pretty good and if you really like a guy in the second third round he's probably really good too. Sean Payton came out yesterday and said, well, you know if we knew Kamara was this good we would have taken him earlier. What do you do, Mel? What do you do yeah, with this group? Yeah, that's what I, Todd and I were talking about first rounds. And Todd, hey, to his credit, he had Kamara in the first round. I said Todd, Alvin Kamara's not going in the first round. Well, he went in the third round. So Todd was right. He liked him. I thought he would be a second or third round pick. He went in the third. So we were kind of both right. I had the projection right. Todd had the analysis right. I think we were both on target with Kamara. Wow. And that's what we're here for. Like I'm to here to straighten that. Todd out once in a while, you know, and settle him down when he gets on that roll. Oh, but, uh, oh, no. you know. Hey, hey, Josh, clip this one off. Make sure we got this one off. <laughs> hey, this one hey, all season. hey, hey, that's a perfect scenario. I got to tell you where he's going. Todd tells you how great he'll be. Perfect scenario here. Perfect. But I think, I think, I think the running back Great spot, dynamic. 
is interesting because, you know, you talk about Saquon Barkley, and we know how good he is, but there are a lot of other guys. I think Bryce Love, because of his ability to hit that home run and what a tough kid he is playing with that ankle injury, I think Bryce Love becomes a first-round pick, maybe goes within the same vicinity as Christian McCaffrey. So I think he gets pushed up a little bit. Top 10? No, I don't, well, in the vicinity. I said. So somewhere I'd say mid-first, I'll say right now for, for Bryce Wouldn't Love. Wouldn't shock me. Yeah, and, and after that, I think all bets are off. I think those are your two, and then after that, it's a group of juniors and a couple seniors that could kind of battle for that third running back spot. Darius Geis, on Johnson has, has emerged. Ronald Jones from USC, explosive. Bo Damian Scarborough was had yeah, both the Alabama back. Scarborough which wasn't his, wasn't the same this year, but we've seen so many times where. With the the injury, if it's not the first year, the second year he gets the strength back, and it's been kind of a strange year with with both of the, those guys. They they're averaging like eight nine carries a game, and and the quarterback, Jalen Hurst, is getting a lot of the carries as well. So, uh, Nick Chubb, I don't think is you know he he looked more like Chubb this year, but still I don't think is is the explosive guy we saw from two years ago, but has talent. Rashad Penny is the, I think he's the real deal out of San Diego state. I think he's a guy who's going to go on somewhere day two and wind up being a, a value pick. Uh, Akram Wadley from Iowa is going to be a good mid, you know, fourth round pick, something like that. Where you can the get bucket, an explosion. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's just a, a lot of depth to this group. And so if you don't, if it's not Barkley early, I could see teams saying, you know what, we'll wait and just see who's around in that second, third, fourth round range and see if we can get a value at that spot. Here's a follow-up on that. Mel, Mm -hmm. and you know, and Todd obviously knew this on Kamara. So Kamara right now this year, he's got 86 carries. He has over, he has that almost that many targets. Christian McCaffrey has 90 targets and he has 82 carries. What I'm seeing with these running backs is they, is it's kind of becoming, the norm that they have to be able to do it all. The hands are, the hands have to be there. I mean, a guy with Kamara's receiving ability to fell to fall to where he did just tells you how many guys can do that. Is this another group that has that just that that Swiss Army knife bag full of skills? Well, they have to develop into that. I think Bryce Love kind of underutilizes a receiver, and some of the others are as well. But in, in Kamara's case, you think about you know Kirsten McCaffrey. Same thing. McCaffrey's been more effective catching than running. And in a lot of games this year. I mean, he's had some breakout games running as well, but more effective catching the ball from Cam Newton. Same thing with Kamara. When he runs, he gets home runs. That's why the average per carry is through the roof. But I think you're right. This is a league now where you had Drew Brees. He went to the right team. you got a creative, great coordinator, really, a head coach in Sean Payton. you got a guy like Drew Brees throwing the ball. you got Cam Newton. I think Mike Shaw has done a great job with that offense in Carolina, working those toys in, those pieces in. So I think that you want extra toys. You know, it's Christmas coming up, Todd. We're looking for toys. And I think that's what you have and and certainly some of these these running backs as you mentioned they don't have the production in college but they show the hands to show that in the nfl they will emerge as that receiving threat well and it's all it's all really all about fit what are you looking to do i mean the, the cowboys drafted zeke elliott to do what he's done and that's pound away and and be their featured back and, and make it more of a run first offense um, but with Carolina, we knew exactly what they were looking for. They wanted the, the Swiss Army knife, the guy who could catch the ball in the backfield. Uh, the same thing with the New Orleans Saints. That's what they do, and Kamara was a perfect fit. We've, I mean, I remember the second he was drafted there, I was like, oh, what a home run. I mean, just a perfect fit for, for his skill set. So teams are, are you know, they, they're pretty smart. They got, a, they got a large scouting staff. They know exactly what these guys can do. Sometimes they don't do it a lot in college, but they're – 
but when they get in the NFL, they're featured a little bit more in the passing game because they are capable. And sometimes in college, you're trying not to get your, you know, you're giving your guy 300 carries, so you don't want to get him too involved in the passing game. And, and so it just works out that way. But when Jacksonville drafted Leonard Fournette, they, they drafted him to be their featured back. And there's a reason he has 207 carries to this point. And that's, that's what he does. And not to go too deep on this, but there are some fullbacks and some some guys that's a Swiss Army knife kind of H backs versatile deep. guys. And there, I'll tell you, teams I think need to get more fullbacks involved. And you have Jalen Samuel. It's talking about the guy can do everything at NC State. I don't know Todd what his position's going to be, but he can run, he can catch, he can do all those things in various roles. Dimitri Flowers at Oklahoma is another kid that can do that. Nick Baldwin at San Diego State, uh, Austin Ramish at Wisconsin. There's a lot of those guys coming out this year that for teams looking for fullback H back move guys uh they seem to have plenty this year that can get the job done all right guys early in the season a couple more questions before we hit your mail early in the season one of the big themes of the year was protection issues around the league just a dearth of really great offensive tackles i mean one of the stories of the season is the fact that andrew whitworth is still getting it done sean mcveigh now has him on jared goff's blind side and that's been a huge boon to that offense Tyron Smith being out for the Cowboys kind of wrecked that offense for a stretch. But, again, really quickly you start to run out of names of premier guys. Joe Thomas got hurt. Um, You know, obviously Peters got hurt in Philadelphia. There's a dearth of tackles around the league. Todd, is this class going to help us out? Um. A little bit. Not as much as (laughs) some teams teams would want. They want those mobile QBs. Just to be – just to be honest, I mean, you, you look at this, this offensive tackle group, and you know, Mike McGlinchey's a is really talented. Um, Connor Williams didn't play much this year because of injuries. Not going to play in the bowl game for Texas. Uh, he's, a, I think, the most talented offensive tackle in the class. But what are you getting? Uh, Orlando Brown is a left tackle in college who's got to move to right tackle. I'd love love to see him take off 15 pounds and kind of continue to develop his feet. He can be a mauler, but I think only in the right kind of system. Uh, Martinez Rankin's a good player out of Mississippi State. I don't know that he's elite. Uh, Tyrell Crosby is, has got some talent, but there's kind of there's there is a lack of depth to this group, and there's a lack of you know there's just not that guy that's you look at and say, well, man, he I, I got to get this guy in the top ten. He's he's a, a plug and play starter at left tackle right away. I, I just I struggle to find that guy. I think McGlinchey's probably the safest, but I don't know that his ceiling is all that high in terms of being an elite player at the next level. Yeah, I thought McGlinchey Todd played his best football at right tackle early in his career before he moved to mm-hmm. left tackle, and he had a few struggles this year. But like like Jack Conklin, who we love coming out of Michigan State, uh, you know, moved to right tackle and he's done a heck of a job. So I think that'll be the case there. I think Desmond Harrison, West Georgia, is an under the radar guy that's going to go probably second round because people are looking for those types of athletes that can you know, with a, a group that is not uh, overwhelming. It's kind of an underwhelming tackle group. Brandon Parker, North Carolina A and T. If you're looking for another guy, because there is aren't, aren't that many names and there aren't many guys that are projected in the first couple rounds, you'll see, I think, Harrison from West Georgia and Parker from North Carolina A&T get forced up maybe a round, round and a half, maybe higher than they would have in a a year where the tackle uh, group was a little bit deeper. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of a given. They they go hand in hand, but we we went through the top ten and we said, you know, six, seven of those teams certainly are in the quarterback market. (laughs) It's about the same number when you look at tackles, and that extends way beyond the top ten. I mean, it's there's really good NFL teams that still have big questions 
uh, at left and right tackle. It's just a given every single year. Yeah, there's another kid too, Craig, Tim in Paris at Stony Brook. Out, it was injured. He's another kid that oh, I'm already think getting into Stony Brook. Could huh? get into uh, you know an intriguing he's, mid round. He's going to the Senior Bowl too. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where he ends up come late April because he, when he was at full strength, he was a very good player. Guys, we got a ton of mail I want to get to. Just one last question, just because we haven't hit this side of the ball. Pass rush, def- great defenders. We obviously know some of the names, whether it's uh, Bradley Chubb, um, Minka Fitzpatrick, we'd expect given his stock to be into the mix, um, Derwin James. There's some great dynamic defensive players in this draft. Todd, my sense is there isn't, there's no Garrett this year. There's no guy where you're like, yep, just lock him into the top three. Is that safe to say? Or is that mostly just a pass rushing thing? Um, you know, Garrett was is one of the elites in terms of just physical tools and, and what he can become, kind of like a Jadevian Clowney coming out. I would I would say there's not that guy, but I think Bradley Chubb is from NC State has has emerged as a player that, while he may not have the the same physical tools, I, I probably trust him to come in and 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 be an impact player and. And an every down type of guy more. I mean, Chubb is just physical, strong, tough, plays with a, a really good motor. He loves the game and just leaves it all on the field. And, uh, you know, his practice habits and, and everything he brings to the table, you just you, you feel like he's kind of a, a safer prospect. Arden Key is a little bit more like uh, he's not to the level of a clowny or or Garrett, but he, he's got that real high upside in terms of pass rushing coming out of LSU. But injuries, he left the team for personal reasons last offseason. Uh, broken finger now, having surgery. I'm, I'm excited to see, is he going to play? I think we're going to find out a lot about him in the bowl game. Is he going to, after surgery on his finger, he could shut it down and continue questions about him, or he could go out there and, and, and just lay it all on the line and, and have a big game. And I, I think that would show scouts that you know he's serious and, and wants to be there for his teammates and wants to he just loves playing the game i think that's a, a question with him harold landry high character guy doesn't have elite tools but he can rush the quarterback coming out of boston college christian wilkins is more of a i think a more of a three technique type inside for clemson but he's he's a talent too so there's a lot of good players really good players uh, cleveland farrell another clemson guy but i, I would say that it there's probably a lack of elite guys at the very, very top. Yeah, I think Farrell has a lot of talent. It'll be interesting as a third-year sophomore to see if he comes out. I love Bradley Chubb. I think he could be in line to be the top pick in the draft, or certainly in the top three or four. Uh, he sprints on the field. Dave Doran came on the Daria Mel show this past Saturday. By the way, we moved from 7 to 10 Eastern to 9 to noon Eastern this Saturday. We'll, we'll be talking draft all the time leading up to, to April 26. And he told Daria and I on Saturday, Dave Doran did, Todd, that this kid sets the tone. He's the tone setter. He sprints mm-hmm. onto the practice field every day, loves the game, passionate about the game. Doesn't take any plays off. Swim, rip, move. You see it all with this kid. I think Bradley Chubb's going to be way, way up there. And a kid I love, uh, you know, so 202 tackles the last two years. Love the fact he can play inside and outside. And love John Gruden made the point about tall inside linebackers. You don't see him that often. That's why Zach Cunningham was intriguing come out of Vanderbilt. Tremaine Edmonds, maybe more as an inside than outside guy. Either way, Todd, he is fast in yep. football. Yeah, I had him the first game of the year. I, I didn't know much about him, to be honest with you. And with that length, the versatility, speed that he has, the athletic ability, his brother's a safety on the team, and he's a physical freak, too. Hey, but, Todd, I scouted his know, father, Farrell Edmonds, when he came out of Maryland as a tight end, was a third round pick to the baby. Dolphins. Yep. Yeah, exactly. 
Good Tecmo Bowl, <laughs> good Tecmo Bowl player there. Uh, Tecmo Super Bowl. Yep. I need to correct that. Guys, we have a stack of mail pent up. It's all these people, all of my nine followers that have been tweeting at me for the last five months asking about first draft. They they all sent an email. So let's take a quick break, and then we will hit all these really smart, pertinent questions. All right. Let's do it. Todd was out there. He was in Iowa City for the big game. So he gets the first question because it's a Hawkeye. Larry Weindruck at L. Weindruck says, Todd, how do you rate Iowa linebacker Josie Jewell, the turkey farmer come linebacker? He's really good. He is really good. And you know what? He's more, he's, he's quicker and faster than, than people give him credit for. He plays his tail off. He's, he's in the elite class when it comes to diagnosing plays, getting, you know, getting to the ball, and just basically because of his ability to – to, with his fast eyes to to locate the ball in his second read, so I, I I don't know because he you know he's not the he's not the biggest he's not maybe not the elite athlete but I think he is a little bit more athletic than people think I've got a kind of a mid round third fourth round grade on him but it won't surprise me at all first of all he's going to be a great special teams player and secondly he he's going to come in and fight and be at least I think a good backup and one day could work his way into a starting job. I, you, he's one of those special guys who's going to outplay his physical tools. What do you think of my comp on him, Todd? Paul Pusluzny. Yeah, it's a, that's a good one. That's Paul Pusluzny, obviously a great Penn State linebacker who ended up in Jacksonville. A second-round pick. Yep. About a million tackles a game. Mel, yes, sir. hope this isn't from my wife. John Plymeyer asks, is there a future in the NFL for JT Barrett? That's going to be a talker. <laughs> I don't know. Go ahead, Mel. Oh, Todd, ahead, Mel. thank you. Thank Todd, you, Todd, you can recuse uh, yourself. I don't know which where JT Barrett figures in. He's a, he's a good college, really good college quarterback, great leader. Urban Meyer loves this kid. He's a gritty, tough competitor. The passing skills obviously aren't NFL. Uh, you know, they aren't going to make you think he can be an NFL quarterback right now. Can he play another position, Todd? That's something where when you work him out, you have to see uh, what he can do at another spot. I don't see him as a future NFL quarterback. Yeah, it's it's, it's tough on JT, man. Yep. Next question. <laughs> All right, Todd. Let's get back into Baker. There's 19 questions here on him, so let's get to one. Tom Marvelli asks, Baker Mayfield reminds me a bit of Drew Brees at Purdue. Size size comp, I think, is pretty fair. I like him as a fit for the Jets, but at the 11 to 15 range, I don't know how you're going to get the Jets drafting there, but is that a, is that – could that be a good spot for him with the Jets? Um, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I think the Chargers could be a good spot. I mm-hmm. think Arizona could be a good spot. Um, I, you know, in terms of the, the comparison, I think he reminds me a lot of Russell Wilson. I don't know that he's as, quite as polished in terms of inside the pocket um, but just just the ability to extend, but also can hang in the pocket, does a good job finding passing windows, throws with anticipation. Um, I would say Russell Wilson with a little bit of Johnny Manziel mixed in, kind of Don't the chaotic there. stuff. Why, why do you uh, on the field. Why on, do you always have to throw Johnny Manziel? On the field, Piper. Get I'm your mind kidding. out of the well, gutter. When I do it, he yells at me, so i gotta, I got to take my shots too. And he's got, you know, Brian Greasy said this earlier in the season. He's got, and just from a Two carrying Greasy himself on the field. In the podcast today. I know. Sorry, I've been, I've I got, been around. I got, him hey, I got much. Levy, and you didn't. So at least I gave Levy a little bit of. There you go. Pub here. Uh, a little bit of the Brett Favre, just on the field, kind of 
wild man, you know, and the good and the bad of that too. All right, another QB. Mel, you can have these fun ones. Uh, you know, at least in the class of JT Barrett, a college QB who's done really well. We don't right. know what to make of him at the NFL level. Quentin Flowers, John Simmons asked at D Rays Fan 101. You're the D Rays fan. He asks about Flowers, Quentin Flowers, why receiver, running back, QB. What do you think yeah. about him? The South well, Florida know, quarterback who's been very productive. Yeah, a great college quarterback. That's a yeah. great college quarterbacks. And, and I think, Todd, it's hard to always feel good about separate because you want to praise them for what they are in college, not diminish what they've done. Same thing with JT Barrett. Don't diminish that. And But when we start transitioning to draft talk, that's when I talk about Ty Detmer, Danny Warfel, you know, Gino Toretta. The list goes on and on of these great college quarterbacks who aren't going to project to the NFL and have that that ability to dominate or play at that same level. They're just not. They're going to be question marks, or maybe there aren't even prospects at that spot. How they work out, I don't know what their workout's going to be. And the other one we have not talked about, the kind of flowers and bar transitions into Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson won a Heisman Trophy. He's won the final three for the Heisman this year. He improved as a passer, had a great year considering he didn't have the receivers he had last year, didn't have his top running back, yet he put up big numbers and was outstanding. He was trying to do it all himself. Todd, you, you figure now he's going to have to work out. He's going to have to show he can be a wide receiver probably in the NFL because a lot of teams are looking at him there, not quarterback. Yeah, uh, I tend to agree. Yeah, that's going to be a tricky one too just because, you know, Lamar Jackson obviously is – Productivity to their quarterback. It's what is what, hey, is, like what is he going to be asked I, to? Do? Hey, hey Sproul, I like this because you know, like Todd, I agree. That was the day we did a segment with David Lloyd on Sports Center where we went in thinking we were just going to give him like one word, or two word answers, and, and McShay's practicing for our next segment with David. Uh, I'm warming. I'm warming. Yeah, that up. really warming that up. really works well in the podcast space too, guys. Josh is thrilled over there. Thanks, Todd, for expounding I, I, expounding I, okay. on all these questions I'm asking. You I about. will expound on this one. I tend to agree, although I do think. Because he is such a unique talent and because he has arm strength and because he can extend and create that I think he will get a shot to play quarterback first. And then, but I do think during the process, he's going to be asked to showcase some of these other skills because that becomes the fallback. And maybe it's the plan A, but in plan B is, hey, if he, you know, if we can get him some, some reps at quarterback and develop him on the back end, he can become an emergency quarterback and we'll, we'll go from there. But you know I, I do Todd? think there's some people in the league right. who think that, that he's worth working with because he has such a unique skill set and explosiveness as an athlete. What will get him on the field first will be a wide receiver spot. I, I think the word, I, we're gonna, I agree. The, the word I'll use with Lamar Jackson and others who are going to be asked to do something they didn't do is willingness. What is his willingness to be open to that and not say, hey, I'm a quarterback only. I don't want to do that. If he says, hey, I'm open. I'm going to Antoine Randall. We thought goes down to senior bowl, wows everybody over, becomes a fairly high pick, has a great, a very good career in the NFL. You know, Matt Jones went down to senior bowl, trans, listened from, from quarterback to receiver, was a bust in the NFL as a first-round pick to the Jaguars. So I think with Lamar Jackson, his willingness, willingness to show that he's open to becoming a wide receiver type in the NFL. And if that's the case, that will be, I think, his best opportunity to get on the field the quickest. And, you know, the case of Lamar, I mean, the bottom line here is it's another situation where there's a long time between now and the NFL draft. There's a lot of things are going to change. A lot of these guys are going to rise and fall based on, you know, what they do in Mobile and other spots and obviously in Indy. But, you know, even when they just work out with the teams, when they get a sense of, what they're willing to do. A lot of things are going to change. Um, guys, one other one here, to, just kind of fun, just to get a sense of the direction here. 
some of the elite players in this class who aren't quarterbacks, obviously. Alan Cotter asks, Todd, who will be the first player picked in the draft that is not a quarterback? A little prop um, bet. I'll go with I'll go with Minka Fitzpatrick, Alabama safety. Bang. Could be Bradley Chubb. Kuiper Ky- uh, mentioned him earlier, but mm-hmm. I think Minka Fitzpatrick, a day and age where safeties become more and more important to match up against these offenses and, and bigger receivers slash you know tight end players that the matchup pieces that everyone are looking for now. I, to me, I, I think that, that safety has become a hugely important position, and especially when you've got a guy who can play safety, corner, nickel, all over. Yeah. Look at Jalen Ramsey, the, what he's been able to do um, for, for Jacksonville. He was a fifth overall pick, and if you're sitting at number two or even number one and you knew exactly what you were getting at this point and you didn't need a quarterback, I mean, it, it, no problem taking him wherever you want. Yeah, it, it, does does Minka qualify Todd for that monster back label? I mean, he can play. You you can move him around. He can be safety. He can play near the line. He can play back. He can he can play. A, I mean, he can do anything with the back behind him in in a sense. He's everything. He's one of the smartest players Nick Saban's ever coached. Uh, the complexities of what they ask these defensive backs to do is, is NFL-like, and he will be ready. He's, like I say, incredibly smart football player, great savvy, great ball skills. I mean, that's the thing, Todd. I hate defensive backs who can't catch the football. And you know, when he gets an opportunity, he can either catch it, he can do damage the other way, and that's what this league's about now. It's not 1978 anymore. So, yeah, I think Minka Fitzpatrick could be uh, in the mix to be the first to third pick overall. Yeah, and by the way, when Todd brought his name up, but you know, people are like, oh, that's really high for a cornerback. Well, look at Jalen Ramsey. Look at the Jags defense now. They're putting up numbers the Legion of Boom would be proud of. Part of it is the fact that, as Todd says and Mo points out, you can do all of those things when you can when you can cover anybody, when you can tackle, and when you have ridiculous ball skills. Like yeah, it shows well, the up. Part with, the tough part with Ramsey, remember, was he didn't have good ball production. I think he right. only had what one yeah. interception. He dropped a lot, but he's, he's he had some drops, but like, but anyone who scouted him and, and watched him throw the process, he actually did have pretty decent ball skills. It just mm-hmm. didn't show up on tape. Now, you know, there's a long history, especially at safety of guys that if you have ball production in college, it, it leads to ball production in the NFL. And a lot of that is instincts and just being a playmaker and, and knowing the angles and all that. But Ramsey in his first two years is five interceptions, which is four more than I think he had in his entire career at Florida State. So, you know, that's that aspect of it can be difficult to evaluate. And, and you know, to that point, five interceptions, and they're not throwing the ball at him a hell of a lot of the time either. So, guys, let's uh, get one more question here from this pile. Um. Just before we wrap up here, our first uh, first draft. How's this going, Josh? Is the chemistry a mess? Oh, it's, it's like you guys never left. Uh-huh. You, you've just been sitting here in the studio with me for the last, what, seven months? They call that mid-season form. That's exactly right. No preseason needed for you guys. Yeah. This is our mid-season form that I'm As, as I watch Sproul continue to stall <laughs> trying to find one more yeah. question. That's what McShay's yeah. always got to be negative. He's like Scrooge. Yeah. You know, in Christmas no, no. season, do you, do you put your I lights? You, I got my tree up. Do you have your tree up yet, Chris? I you did. I got up it up on, 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 on Mel, Monday. No, I've been a bit busy. Um, and by the way, congratulations to hey, congratulations to Chris and Brooke Sproul. They yes. have a baby, Evan, uh, born how long? Two weeks ago, Chris? Uh, eight days. Eight days. Got a call from Lane Kiffin today, so we're go- things are looking good. Evan had his Buckeye jersey on for the Ohio State-Michigan game. Yeah. Yes, sir. All right. Nice. 
Let's go out on a high note. Todd pointed to this a little bit earlier, but it's going to be one of the fun scenarios in the top three, top four of the draft most likely, unless Jimmy G goes crazy and wins a bunch of games. Mm -hmm. But assuming the Niners keep Garoppolo around, Todd, you can kind of finish what you started earlier. Where do you see the Niners going with with that first pick? And trade down certainly an option. Yeah, I think – Garoppolo is, is a starting quarterback in the NFL, and I think there's a reason why the Patriots did everything they could to hang on to him, but it just didn't make financial sense. I think it, there's no elite offensive lineman. I don't know if there's a receiver worthy that you wanted to take in the, the top five. So to me, I'm, I'm going to go full on Kuiper here. Trade back. I, I definitely trade back. <laughs> Kuiper would take but, Barkley. Uh, if you're, yeah, if you're, if you're stuck there, at number two, number three, whatever, whatever the pick is, uh, I think Barkley makes sense. Minka Fitzpatrick is another guy that pr- could be on their radar. What's the one caveat to trading back, Todd? Got to have one, a dance t- one time you don't. One time you don't even think about trading back. Is if you need a franchise quarterback and one is quarterback, you in yeah. the face. You don't trade back yeah. on quarterbacks. You trade back on other pieces, not the quarterback spot. That's the one thing. The Cleveland Browns have kind of done this, but they haven't capitalized. Sean Watson, Carson yeah. Wentz, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Even so Jared Goff. Yeah, you get the quarterback staring you in the face. Well, Goff was going. Yeah, well, after that, they had Wentz right there for them. Uh, so it's just, you gotta you know, get the fran. I, that's why Cleveland is going to be interesting to see. And we also have to talk about quarterbacks and regime changes. The head coach moves on the GM moves on we see that with the Giants now we have to see who takes mm-hmm. over because you're talking about who the best fit is we don't even know Todd who some of the head coaches and who some of the GMs will be with these teams I think Mel your phone's got a ring and here's what's going to happen so Mel takes over the Cleveland Browns they obviously take a quarterback at one then he tr- he packages the number nine pick and a second round pick trades up to two they take another quarterback so then you get golf. Browns fans Wentz. are thrilled right now. And by the way, just so we, we throw it out there, John Dorsey, former GM of the Kansas City Chiefs, he's with the Green Bay Packers, been in Seattle. John, friend of mine, you know, is out there. He's a free agent general manager. By the way, one of the best free agent GMs out there in a long time. Ernie, of course, you know, former good friend of mine, who's consulting GM. on the Giants. Uh, not a former job. good friend, a former GM. He is a good friend. Ernie, of course, he is going to be having a say in who is the new GM of the New York Football I've Giants. Some, I've heard some rumblings about um, about Scott Piola. Scott's a great is guy it, too, good friend GM. as well. Yeah, with and Josh McDaniels, paired yeah. up with yeah, yeah, paired up with Josh McDaniels. Yeah, even my even my guy Joe Douglas is. There's been some some buzz about that too, coming from um, he's in Philadelphia as a personnel director, but not the GM there. So we'll we'll see how it goes. And by the way, before Twitter goes crazy, Chris uh, Evan had the jersey on for the Ohio State Wisconsin game. I don't think he was born yet when the Michigan game was played, right? Can neither confirm nor deny. It's yeah, been I, a I don't, haze, I don't want Twitter you know killing me on that. Saying, uh, yeah, how's your sleep ago. going, bud? Yeah, yeah. Uh, sleeping well. None, Todd. You know how you kind of cut down on Diet Coke. I think I've had I've had two this morning. It's a pretty good train. We haven't we haven't gotten a take five plug in that could help too. Yeah, I uh, I mean I'm my second one and last one is uh, two years old now, and I'm finally like coming out of a fog. Like in the last couple months, I finally feel like a human being again. So hang in there, bud. It's going to be a long ride. So I get to feel like a human being in two years. Yeah, if, if you don't have another child, yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Going into the 2020 draft season. Yeah. Yeah, that, you should be back to about normal then. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's going to be good. Uh, All right, guys, it was fun. Um, a very brief respite for me. And uh, 
Yeah, we'll do it again soon. I don't know when. Maybe we'll uh, pillory Todd when his mock draft comes out in a couple weeks. That's always fun. Oh, I can't wait to take can't that. Can't wait, if, man. As if he doesn't oh, get chopping enough calls. at the bit on that one, Todd. If you need, a, hey, if you need some advice, I actually did a a like a little scribble mock while I was coming back uh, from Connecticut yesterday. Yeah, that would never. Happen. Yeah, send you're that the only, over. You're the only crazy person in the world who are drive back with just yeah, I'm do a yeah. mock. Yeah. Let's mock it up. Why not, Todd? And guys, mock if, it you, up. if you haven't seen it, if you haven't seen enough of Todd and Mel, they're on the they're on TV with Greenberg right now in the studio. Great programming here in Bristol, and uh, just just to start, it's a long season, man. Five months. Uh, I'm already exhausted thinking about it. All right, it's going to be fun. I'm Chris, Mel, Todd. We'll do it again at some point soon. Uh, sponsors start lining up. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash PodCenter.